0: Once Ari closes the garage door. And we're live. Welcome to episode four of Prom Kings. Yep. I'm Mohammed Weinberg. This is uh, Punky mm-hmm. Johnson. Yep. My mom's favorite comedian. No. <laughs> <laughs> my mom hates this podcast. Uh, I'm sorry. Every week I hurt her. And I don't mean to. And, and I love her. But um, the vulgarity hurts her feelings, and All there's right. nothing we can do about it. I'm gonna try to not curse in this one. <laughs> okay, we'll see how far we get. I'm gonna try. I I will dare you. I'll give you ten dollars if you don't curse this whole time. I
1: mean, I, look, I I am I am not setting myself up for failure, but I am going to give put my best foot forward. You sure? I'm gonna try.
0: All right. All right, so we're here with Punky Johnson, who uh, just got back from a trip. You wanna talk about that a little bit? I went to Puerto Rico, everybody was beautiful. Okay. Even the men. Wow. Mm-hmm. How are the, do men have better butts in, in Puerto Rico than in America?
1: N- yes, men have better everything. I, w- I was very tempted. I almost questioned my entire life. <laughs> I thought are- my whole life was a lie. <laughs> I'm like, I see these beautiful men, I'm like, I've been lying to people all my life.
0: You're like, wow! I'm actually attracted to men all of a sudden. I was so attracted to men out there. I was just like, woo! And is it because they're manly or is it because they're feminine?
1: Yeah, they, yeah, because they was they was just beautiful men.
0: That oh, was just the beautiful. They weren't manly at all. Like Brad Pitt, beautiful or like different.
1: Mm, Yeah, I don't know. They was just they just looked like goddesses. <laughs>
0: When you get out of L.A., when you get out of America and you travel and you're like, wow, there's beautiful people all over the world. There's
1: beautiful people in America. It's just, you know, I don't know. Out there, it just seemed, I don't know. They're, all of them
0: yeah, everyone. were beautiful. A higher percentage. Yes. And L.A. 9 is like a Puerto Rico 7. Yeah. Damn. Or 6. Or a 6. Yeah. Probably some Instagram models out there. Yeah,
1: and everybody was overly nice. I was like, uh, I, I, I was. Con- it was concerning how nice everybody was.
0: Do you think because you're American that they were nicer to you?
1: I don't know. I, don't, I have no idea why, but everyone was adorable. Everybody.
0: Yeah, because in these countries where tourism is like the big economy mm-hmm. booster, they're real nice to Americans. Probably because they
1: eat good. No one's depriving themselves of gluten out there. Oh, yeah. They all eating their ass their butts off.
0: Okay, so their heavy gluten diet, maybe that's the key. They eating
1: bread, they eating fried food, they drinking, everything cheap, they got beautiful water. They don't care.
0: Have you read the book Outliers? I don't read. Okay. well No. Now- Is the movie out? <laughs> <laughs> they should make an Outliers movie. That would be a great movie. It's like a self-help book. Mm. And the beginning, they talk about this small town, I think in Pennsylvania, where everyone was living to, like, old age, like a, like 90 and above. Mm-hmm. And they were trying to figure out, why are these people living to such an old age? It's like, was it their diet? And it's like, no, their diet was terrible. Yeah. They, were, they were eating like shit. It's right. like, do they drink alcohol? Oh, yeah. They drink a lot of alcohol. They happy. What's their job like? F- extremely physically demanding. So it's like, what's the deal? And it's the deal was the conclusion was they all live in the small neighborhood and they all know each other. Mm-hmm. And there's not that many of them. And they're just out and about talking to each other and being friends. And,
1: and expressing themselves. Yeah. Not, they, it, it's, yeah, that's that's how I feel. Like out here, if I'm like in a bad mood, it's because I'm hungry. And I'm out here <laughs> depriving myself because of these superficial, just people. Because my mom would tell me all the time, if you, you can't be fat out there in Hollywood, they're going to put your ass out of California. And I believe that. I believe that
0: they'll kick you out.
1: They will kick you out.
0: Every year, everyone gets on a scale and they check you.
1: Thank you. Do you know That's that I true. went to a club my first year out here, and we waited in line at this club. We had no idea what the holdup was. We was like, "What is going on? I'm new here. I have no idea." So I walked to the front. I'm like, "You know what's up?" People from behind us are getting in. It just it just didn't make sense to me. Right. And the guy, he was like, "Look." He pulled me to the side. He's like, I'm going to be honest with you. Y'all got a big girl in y'all group, and we can't let y'all in. I said, "You are you?
0: That's disgusting.
1: That was a fact. It would happen at that. And I, from that point on, I was like, my mother was absolutely right. She was not playing. She was not being facetious. She was just telling me what the rules are out here.
0: I don't know if you know this, but outside of every club, like on that sidewalk where people wait, there's actually scales under yes. the sidewalk. And there's a dude and he's, he's <laughs> monitoring everyone's weight. And if your party weighs over five, five hundred, mm-hmm.
1: then you can't get in the club.
0: No. Unless there's like ten people in your party. Five right. hundred's good for ten people. Mm-hmm. That's actually perfect. Yeah. But uh
1: So everybody be fifty pounds. <laughs> yeah.
0: Fifty pounds is actually you got to be Ideal. 50. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 50 pounds in L.A., it's like, you could yeah. lose some weight. Yeah,
1: 50, 50 to 98 pounds. 98 pounds is too much.
0: Guess how much I weigh.
1: How much? No, oh, don't tell me. Okay. 120. No, more. Oh, you weigh more? I weigh like 150. Lies. Swear. No, you don't. I weigh Swear less than God. you do. Really? I'm, I'm thicker than you. That's because you you have muscle mass and stuff like that. Well, I have such a big butt. I weigh like one, I don't know, like 45.
0: One Mm-hmm. Well, we're the same weight then, pretty much. Yeah. I probably weigh less this week because I'm going through a breakup. So I, I haven't been eating much. It's just like if I'm upset and anxious, I, it's hard for me to eat That's food. crazy.
1: And I'm the opposite. I will eat. When you're sad? Well, if I'm going through a breakup and I initiated the breakup, I'm eating everything, including women. <laughs> but if someone else initiate the breakup, then i will be sick. Yes. So it's, it's, it's opposite, yeah.
0: Yeah, I guess I miss my dog.
1: Oh, I miss my dogs too, they in New Orleans. But, you know, they could stay where they at. I love them, but they could stay where they at.
0: But I thought you have a dog out here. You don't? Yes,
1: I sent them home. Why? Because they need to be home.
0: What, it's like boot camp kind of?
1: My dogs and my wife is in New Orleans. They've been out there for three months because I need to focus on me. I, I could focus on my marriage while they gone, but yeah, I do better while we
0: apart. Yeah, you were talking about this last time. Your ideal marriage is she lives in a different house than you.
1: Yeah, but right now she's living in a different state, which is, it's good. It's good. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing.
0: No, I mean, that's an amazing relationship, I think.
1: Because the thing is, it's unfair because I don't really have the time. Like right now, my career is where it's, I'm like, I can't move up unless Mm -hmm. I'm completely focused on my career. Mm -hmm. And it would be unfair to the marriage. Like, I don't have time to go on dates. I don't have time to court. I don't want to go to the beach. I don't want to go on a picnic. I don't want to walk the, I don't want to. You know what I want to do? I want to focus. I want to write. I want to think. I want to do podcasts with you. I want to do comedy. I don't want to, and you know what I'm saying? Like, I know what I signed up for. I know I made a vow. But if you want to fully have a full marriage, then I need this year to go all in 100%. I can't give my career 50%. I can't give it 70%. I've got to give it 100 200 in order for us to have the marriage that we want.
0: So you you tell your wife this, and she goes, yeah, sure, I'll go live in New Orleans. Hell no.
1: Be- Hell no. Hell no. Because I was going to say, no. that's like. Hell no. She's fighting every day with me. She sends me text messages. I told her, like, you know, you know, do this, da-da-da-da-da, and she, she kind of just was like, all right. And then, like. I guess she had to think about it. It processed through her head. And then like six six hours later, I got a one text message in, in all caps. It said, reality check. And then <laughs> and then I feel like that's how she typed it when she texted. That's how she sounded. She when said she it did, out loud. Reality check. Like, <laughs> <laughs> with a big exclamation point and a colon. <laughs> and then the next text was like six pages long. <laughs>
0: And it was just like, it was
1: like, I don't know who you think you are right? telling me not to come home and what you think this is. I still pay bills over there. I'm still a part of this. Th- I was like, you not understanding the point to why I need you to be there.
0: <laughs> I mean, that would be a tough that takes a lot of like wisdom or like some enlightenment to, to understand that your wife needs you to be out of the state.
1: It's not even out of the state. If I can afford for her to live across the street, then that's what it would be. But I just don't. I need, if I'm going to do something to be, I have to invest 200%. I can't give anything less less to my career right now. I just can't. I can't afford to.
0: Yeah. Well, and, that's good.
1: And dating and going out for drinks and laying down, watching Netflix all day, that, that, that is a threat to my career. Wow. So, I have to sacrifice so, something, got to be sacrificed, and my career is just not one of them.
0: So, do you do you do anything to like pull yourself away from your career? Because I always feel like, even even in my times where I'm working the hardest, I need to like step away just I to clear I take my rest my days.
1: I take my rest days. Okay. But you don't understand when you're married, there are no rest days. So, you could rest from your career but then you got to deal with this. Right. You know, there is no alone time, there is no meditation, there is none of that. You're either there or you're there. You're never for yourself. So when I do take my rest, I am one with myself. Mm-hmm. I am centering myself back to, you know.
0: What do you do, you meditate? Do you... Sometimes
1: I meditate, yeah. uh, sometimes I just lay down and don't think, mm-hmm. I'll just binge watch Grey's Anatomy all day, mm-hmm. um, and that's pretty much it. If I If I take a rest day, I literally lay in the bed all day. I don't move. I don't answer my phone. I don't do nothing.
0: Just watch Grey's Anatomy. I just
1: watch Grey's Anatomy and cry my <laughs> ass off. Boy, I be crying. That's how I get my tear ducts out, too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're exercising your tear ducts on I those gotta days. I got to get them out. I got to get them out. You what have leg day, you have arm day, and mm-hmm. then you have tear duct day. That's right. That's right.
1: That's that's usually typically since football season over. It's now on Sundays. My rest days is now on Sundays.
0: Oh, just like God. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hymen's not a curse word. You're still doing it. (laughs) See, see? Good for you.
1: What about your rest days? How you do yours?
0: Um, Every day is kind of a rest day. Like, I work hard, but I also, I try to sleep in. I try to, like, be a little lazy every day in -hmm. the midst of my work. Because right now I don't have a job job. Like, I used to deliver Postmates. So what's
1: a job job? You know know I love when you say stuff twice, right? (laughs) That's like a thing.
0: Interesting. You know? Yeah,
1: like, like, like I, like I'm woke, but I ain't woke
0: woke. Right, right. Woke woke means like you're you into conspiracy there, theories. You, bo-
1: you boycotting, you marching, and doing all that shit. I'm woke. Like I know what's happening. Did but you not? I ain't did woke.
0: you march for the women's march? I ain't march? that woke. Nah.
1: <laughs> I that's ain't too that far. Woke.
0: Yeah. That's too. That, that's downtown.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I understand what's going on. I feel you. It's in my heart. But I'm not about to be out there in these streets.
0: Some people are way too woke. And it is disturbing.
1: I mean, why can't you just be, you know,
0: a little up? What's that mean?
1: Not that woke.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> why can't you be kind of daydreaming? Yeah. A little bit. You feel bit? me? Like, yeah. why? But, you know. I'm woke, but I take naps.
1: Yeah. Like, I can snooze a little bit from time to time. Mm-hmm. I ain't really, you know.
0: I saw this. Uh, I forget where I was. I was traveling, and I saw this sign on someone's <laughs> front yard. And it said... We love our Muslim neighbors. Hmm. And I was like, first of all, I hope you ask them before you put that up. Hmm. Because not everyone wants to be like, hey, I'm a Muslim. Like, as a house. Hmm. Maybe if you walk around in the street and you're wearing a hijab or wearing a kufi, you're like, you know, I'm a Muslim. But as far as someone walking down the street, you don't want to see a house and, like, know that that's muslims living there because that might attract some sort of negativity to your house like if people are (laughs) arrogant i'm just saying like why does this guy have to put a sign on his lawn that says my neighbors are muslim and i'm cool with that like that's not helping anybody just do it through your actions some
1: people want the attention Mm. Of, of, I guess, I don't know. Of being I, correct. Of, or maybe he's just funny. Like, I posted a serious question today on Facebook. And, of course, comedians come on with their funny jokes. I'm like, this is not, we're not playing. I'm yeah. not, this is, a, I'm not, I don't know why people just want to be goofy all the goddamn time. There's mm. a time and there's a place, you know? And people just don't understand there's limits to a lot of things, especially some of these comedians out here. They get on my goddamn nerves. Everything is not a goddamn joke. I wanted to say "effing" so bad,
0: but see how I'm controlling this shit. You did say "goddamn." I would say "dag (laughs) on." You lost about two bucks.
1: All right, whatever. Okay, but (laughs) that. But you know what? I get why he did it, but he didn't have to make it a public issue.
0: I find that there is like an epidemic of white people being offended for minorities they're like i'm going to be offended for them and they think that that's being an ally and, <laughs> and like but it really is just arrogant i think like for instance if you're performing stand up and the whole audience is white and you say a joke about being about like i don't know some sort of racial inequality in america they won't laugh hard cuz they're like oh we're not supposed to be laughing at this like we are supposed to be angry about this because right. we are we're standing up for the minorities yeah but if there's black people in that crowd they're laughing
1: dying laughing Right. you know how <laughs> black people laugh they can't even stay in one spot <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah there's a lot of movement it's
1: too much movement <laughs> if something make me laugh i'll be running clean out the dough it's so oh bro chris and Leah got a joke that's that joke probably like five or six years old what joke I don't really remember how it go, but it was about black people laughing. So he was like, dude, I made this dude laugh so hard. He gla- he laughed all the way to Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he was like, ah. He did that for like five minutes on stage, just laughing and running around in a circle, going to Vegas on stage. And I was dead. I couldn't even stay in a room for it. I had to laugh my ass outside the door. It was too funny.
0: It's <laughs> funny, too, because it's a white dude doing an impression of it. <laughs> Doesn't that make it funnier, in yeah. a way? It's just oh, such man. a... Like, when people do impressions of, unless it's, like, hyper-offensive, <laughs> I don't know, man.
1: Yeah, but that was hilarious. That was really, really It's funny. a
0: sensitive time right now, man. I am constantly up at, up against sensitive people.
1: It's a very sensitive time um, right now. Uh, like, Liam, this the thing I posted on my Facebook, like, Liam Neeson said something about... Uh, yeah, what was that? Basically, to sum it all up, uh, someone he knew got raped. I think it was, like, a woman he loved, blah, blah, blah. And um, he asked what color uh, the guy was that raped her. Okay. And then from that point on, he went out just looking to start trouble with the black person. But he wasn't looking for it. He was trying to basically provoke them to start shit with him so that he could have a justifiable reason for, for fighting. And he didn't say justifiable reason. I'm saying justifiable reason. I And— it's just, it just don't make sense to me, you know. Yeah. If first of all, a woman got raped, a woman got raped, and the first question you ask is, "What color was the guy?" Why? Why? And second, this ain't this this ain't taken. What you about to go handle this? What you about to go do? <laughs> Why you interrogate for what? Why? For you ain't the fucking police. Yeah,
0: like maybe he's just so in his role.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I a, will find you <laughs> He's a method actor
0: How tall was the man And what color was he,
1: <laughs> How he But the hip, To ask what color he was First was just It was just disturbing To me It's probably not disturbing Other people But I don't know Whatever I like Liam um, It I'm, is disturbing I want, I want him to not mean no harm By what he said yeah. But it just don't add up When it don't add up It's just like mm.
0: I need to read the story I don't know much about You can listen to it. the
1: story He says it verbally
0: Oh on an interview
1: Yeah and then now he's on something today, clarifying. I'm just like, oh, whatever, whatever.
0: By the time this podcast comes out, he'll probably have, he'll probably either be in jail or be hosting the Oscars. One of the two.
1: Yeah, as long as he don't say nothing about gays, he got the Oscars all day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's true. You think it's like you you could have a better chance of hosting the Oscars if you're racist mm-hmm. than if you're homophobic? Yeah,
1: because the Oscars have been racist for I don't know how long.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, that's true.
1: You know what? Let me let me take that back. Uh, they they they, <laughs> you they just they, lost they, your Oscar in ten dis- years. They've displayed lack of likable black stuff. Sure. You know, like, what, but that don't mean that they're racist. It just means that the odds are in a white person's favor with the Oscars.
0: And, and I don't even oh, know. Damn it.
1: Ethan calling me for a second time. What does he want?
0: I don't know. Pick him up. Pick it up. Tell Should him. Should I answer? All yeah, right. Just tell him we're doing a podcast.
1: Hello. Hey. Hold on. Do it. All right. I'll be right back. Okay. Sorry, guys. We'll be back. Tune, tune in for this commercial break. Blah, 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 blah. Damn. Okay. What's
0: up? Why is everyone leaving me? um all right yeah sorry about that what
1: were we were talking about i don't even know you know what guys this is what i'm talking about this is why my wife is in louisiana right now because <laughs> things are crazy I, you know like that's how my life has been i'd be having to if we on a date sometimes i gotta take a time out if we talking seriously sometimes i gotta take a time out and she gets mad when i take these damn time outs. i'm like bitch, i'm trying to get this money yeah what are you talking about <laughs> I need a tag on timeout. And like now, I don't have to take these timeouts. I don't have to deal with her being mad. I just get up and go.
0: Right. I'm a little mad right now.
1: I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. But I bought you some. What well, the mangoes is mine. I bought you some blueberries. You Can want I get one of mango? those waters?
0: I mean, you came here with two little water bottles. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, thanks for getting me a water bottle. She goes, hell no. These are for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I see two things and I assume one's for me. I'll two, just have a two sweat.
1: of those. No, you can have it. Two of those water bottles are equivalent to
0: one. Why did they make these tiny water bottles?
1: You know what? For people like me, because I, I am not. I don't have a fear of water. I just have a problem with like drinking it, drinking it. But if I drink, I could drink two of these in like ten seconds. But it will take me a whole day to drink a whole bottle of
0: water. I mean, Ari Manis just walked in because he left his phone here the whole time. <laughs> um. It just feels like as far as the the earth is concerned, the plastic, I don't know. Who gives a shit? You know what? The I, earth you know is going to be destroyed within 10 years. The Republicans do not care. And, and that's, within
1: 10 years? Yes. Oh, uh-uh. They said that from 2000. I was shaking in my boots in 99. I don't care. That's not true.
0: What do you think is happening with the fires in Malibu it's been negative 20 to 50 degrees all over the country this winter. It, shit is going down.
1: It was. Ne- I'm going to say what, what, what black people been saying. It was never this cold when Obama was president. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> no, things are getting worse. And I think all the rich people are just like, they're probably building their bunkers, getting ready. And they're like, hey, we might as well go out with a bang. So let's just make as much money as possible.
1: Well, this is why I'm... I have become so fearless in my writing, in my comedy. I'm like, I'm putting it in the script. I am putting it in there because I don't care what people think. I don't care.
0: Right. Because the world's going to end anyway. Well, I, the
1: world's going to end anyway. Yeah. No. Why would, I, why would I play safe?
0: How's the world going to end, you think?
1: You know what? I don't know. But um, I don't know. It could be some walking dead shit.
0: <laughs> some virus shit.
1: It could be a virus. I look, like the, Like the bird box crap. I didn't see that. Bro, I just watched it. The only reason why I watched it was because I was on an airplane coming back from Puerto Rico. And it was just flying for like nine or ten hours. I was just like, oh, I got to watch something.
0: Does it scare you?
1: No, that shit didn't scare me. Do you get
0: scared by horror movies?
1: I hate horror movies because oh. I don't get scared. And I'm just sitting up there like, look at this idiot the whole time i'm like this is so stupid look at this damn! ain't no way in hell i'll let my daughter sleepwalk ain't no way in hell i'll still be living in that damn house with the first red flag i'm out
0: yeah i'm out it it seems like you would leave your house it don't make
1: no sense a big ass uh, a big you mean tell me a big ass uh uh plant vase vase or whatever gets up and floats across your your damn living room, hit the wall and fall and break, and you still stay in that house? You mean to tell me?
0: I mean, I guess it depends how much money you put down on that mortgage, cause...
1: No, it, no, you could, it, no, throw the whole house away. You could have this motherfucker. I don't
0: care. You'd rather be homeless than live in a haunted house? Shit, yeah? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what I would do. Imagine if your tent was haunted, though, if you were homeless you'd be like, I can't get away from this shit.
1: Well, some people say the spirits can can come up on your back and not. And it just takes a life. to you. They're just part of you. And and, and for that, that's some scary shit.
0: Yeah, I have a Santa Muerte statue. Do you know about Santa Muerte?
1: Nah, I know about (laughs) Couta It's his cousin. I know about Cincy. Sensei's It's his cousin.
0: (laughs) It's his cousin. Yeah, Santa Muerte and Couta get together Mm -hmm. for Christmas this year. Mm Mm-hmm. No, it's, uh, it's this saint that's not recognized by the actual Catholic Church. And it's the largest following of Santa Muerte is in Mexico City.
1: Santa Muerte. Santa
0: Muerte. It means uh, bre- the bre- uh, the saint of death. Mm. And it's like a big skull. It looks like death. Like, like when you see a skeleton holding like a sith, like that big axe. Okay. And wearing like a cloak. It's a scary looking saint. It looks like, like a devil, like a demon, kind of. Mm. And basically what they believe is it this is the saint of the criminals and of the prostitutes and of the low lifes. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's a saint for everything. So this is a saint that keeps those people safe. So it's kind of like a thing where you worship it if... I mean, it's not just criminals. I think it's also, like, for the poor and disenfranchised. Hmm. And maybe it's misunderstood and people think it's just criminals. But it, it's, like... It's huge. People worship and pray to this saint. Hmm. And I was so curious about it. And I, I realized there was a church of Santa Muerte in L.A. And I went there with Chris Estrada and we went to a, a service. Okay. And it was so scary. Wow. It's on Melrose. Does it's, he
1: have like this, the, the saint? He has like this black.
0: It's a lady, first of all. Oh, seriously? Yeah, the skinny lady. Oh, that's
1: even worse. It's so scary. Ooh.
0: I think we need to shut this door a little bit more. Hold on.
1: Yeah, go ahead. Mm. Mm. I love seeing you do strong stuff. (laughs) Cause that door is hard to handle. I'll tell you that.
0: I'm back. So wow. So this, we went to the service And it was in this tiny little room that had like some pews. But along the side of the room are all these statues, like huge statues of Santa Muerte. Mm -hmm. And then there's a dude giving a sermon. And of course, it's, you know, it's in uh, it's in Spanish. So I I didn't know what was going on. But what I do know is the room was hot as fuck. Mm -hmm. It was so hot in there. I don't know if they did that on purpose to make it just Mm -hmm. feel like hell in there. And the people that were there, it seemed like there was a couple that were there that uh, probably, I don't want to generalize, but I I think maybe their son was in jail and they're there to pray for their son Mm -hmm. to this specific uh, saint. There was like a fat white dude with a bunch of tattoos that seemed just kind of like into the occult. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, these scary dudes who are into like video games and Satan. Cool. Um, And then there was, I think, one other like just skinny dude who looks like he was like coming off of drugs and then it was me and Chris Estrada just sitting there. And um, what they do is if you want, you buy a little Santa Muerte statue and you can have it ordained or it's not ordained. You can have it connected to you. So what they do is they spray it with this weird like scent and you say they they say your name to it and then it's like connected to your soul.
1: And like <laughs> does that mean you die or
0: no, it just means like everyone who worships Santa Muerte has their own Santa Muerte statue in their apartment, and they give it gifts, and they worship it, and they pray to it. So and they
1: don't pray to God. They they pray to the angel of death.
0: Yeah, basically. I mean, it's not the angel of death. It's like the saint of death. The
1: sa- oh, the saint of death. Okay, I, pro- I, I'm, I apologize for my... No, it's okay. ...incorrection. <laughs> it's Okay. <laughs>
0: Uh, I apologize for my incorrection is a yes. good name for this episode. Yes. yes. Have you done a Ouija board? When I was
1: younger, I did. Tell me about it. It's not too clear in my mind, hmm. so I really can't spit facts out, but I do remember doing it.
0: I was in Omaha for a comedy festival, and I was staying with this couple. And this couple very quickly let me know that they're swingers. And that they like bringing other people into the bedroom. Hey. And um, I don't know if they were asking me to join them. Maybe they were. But Hmm. I didn't want to. But they kept talking about this girl who they were bringing into their bedroom. And the guy was like, oh, she's so beautiful. And, like, we're going to invite her over. And you should try to hook up with her. And, Hmm. like, they were trying to set me up with this girl that Hmm. they had slept with. Mm. (laughs) So the night comes... And I'm a vegan now, but I wasn't then. And I was in Omaha eating dairy constantly, eating cheese, like that's the big thing there. Mm. And it fucked with my stomach so bad mm. that the night that they invited her over, and it was the four of us, I had like terrible diarrhea. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm, Why would
1: you eat dairy? What is...
0: <coughs> I normally am fine with dairy, but there was something about this dairy in Omaha that like, just made my stomach... <laughs> so sensitive. So we're all hanging out having dinner, right, at the table, and I'm constantly like stomach's just growling and I'm like did anyone hear that? Like I'm just looking around. <laughs> Obviously they heard it, but everyone's ignoring it, right? And the girl that they brought over was, you know, really beautiful, so I'm like, "Oh my god, this is such a nightmare that they're setting me up to hook up with this person and I I am I would have to get up from the table every few minutes and go to the bathroom. <gasps> And just shit water. Like, it was so disgusting. What were
1: y'all eating for dinner?
0: I forget. A salad. And Dude,
1: salad. you need bread when you got diarrhea.
0: Well, we weren't eating bread. You should
1: have ate, like, a big-ass sandwich. I didn't
0: know what to do.
1: <laughs> Sandwiches. Call me next
0: time. I was so broke, too. It was like, I didn't... When you're broke, you can't really watch your diet that well. True. I'm like, I'm eating whatever someone's giving me. <laughs> that's, that's the broke diet. Now I'm eating, like, smoothies right oh, now. No, well, and,
1: salads like, are so... If you got diarrhea, don't eat a salad. Yeah,
0: it was the wrong move. Yeah. I think we had pasta, so there was some sort of...
1: Substance. Fiber
0: yeah. or, or whatever. So, anyway, we're shitting... I'm shitting. Oh. Not we're shitting. <laughs> I'm shitting, coming back to the table. Nobody is even saying, are you okay? But it's so obvious that, like, something's going on, you know? So, then they say... They're like, there's this weird thing in the attic that is really scary. And we should all go up there and check it out. So the four of us go into the attic. And what there was in their attic was this weird shrine that had been left up there from the previous owners of the home. Oh, shit. And it was really scary. There was just, there was the long attic, and it was like the triangle, you know, the roof. It, it wasn't like a. a furnished attic or anything. It was scary looking and old and there's nails sticking out of the ceiling Mm. and you got to watch your head. And at the end, there's like a bunch of pictures of this kid and a bunch of his items that he owned. And they're just on the wall, you know, almost like it's almost like a uh, what's the word? A shrine to this child. And then there's boxes and the boxes are full of the kid's stuff, like his report cards and his shit. And I was just like, did you ever this obviously was a kid who lived here before you guys. Did you ever reach out to the family that you bought the house from and see, like, why they left this stuff here? What happened to the kid? They were like, no, we just, like, prefer the mystery of it.
1: Oh, hell no!
0: (laughs) Yeah. Legit scary, right? So then we're sitting... The mystery? The mystery. So we're sitting up there in the attic with the lights on, and then they take out the Ouija board, and they're like, let's try to communicate with this kid. (laughs)
1: Bitch, I would have been gone so damn fast. I don't play them types of games.
0: I, I'm not scared of this shit.
1: Uh uh-uh, uh. I uh-uh. used to be when
0: I was a kid, terrified of demons and ghosts and stuff. Now
1: I ain't scared of the Ouija board. We could do that, but mm. this mystery of the shrine, mm. communicating to what's going, communicating to this person that I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm out of here. I'm not getting. I'm not meddling in their business.
0: Mm. Yeah, that, I
1: mean, that's scary. Now if I want to talk to my dead grandma, then bring her on the Ouija board. Where's see- Ernestine?
0: ernestine <laughs> that's not even a name i knew existed until this moment
1: <laughs> i mean it's extinct it don't it ain't I'll, i hope they ain't got no more Ernestines we out we should there. name our daughter ernestine ernestine but yeah ernestine my name Johnson. was ernestine I I so Ari. did it
0: art hmm? is coming in oh god so what happened? you do we have to leave No. no
1: sorry. I, I, okay I
0: forgot, I forgot something. oh it's okay
1: so what happened? Ladies and
0: gentlemen, Ari Manis is here. We do love you, Ari. Yeah. Ari, thank you for letting us do this. You're welcome. Sorry
1: for interrupting. What? It's all right. You've given us opportunity. Interrupt
0: all you want. Shut uh, shut the door. Bitch. Fucking Jew.
1: <laughs> so you did the Ouija board.
0: So we're doing it. We're trying to communicate with this kid. M- meanwhile, my stomach's trying to communicate with the kid, too. <laughs> like, I can hear this vibration constantly happening like it wasn't I I would have a few seconds of silence where I was like trying to be normal and Mm -hmm. cool and then it would and now we're in the attic where it's silent and we had a candle and then we blew it out to be in pitch black so we can try to like get fully spooked you know and I had to leave the attic several times I had to be like I have to go to the bathroom and then I would would have to open this rickety door (laughs) you know the ladder that like folds down (laughs) go down that ladder empty my stomach again like i can't believe there's still anything in there and then come back up and just pretend it's not happening <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if it was this kid's ghost just like trying to fuck up my night if he had a crush on the girl and he was trying to like did keep y- me away from her
1: did, did, did y'all communicate with it with, with him
0: no i don't remember we asked the kid questions and then we were like playing with the ouija board and it was like not working I think it wasn't. I, it didn't work.
1: The only thing that happened, I remember, on our Ouija board is we asked my friend's mama where she was at. Because she was killed. Uh-huh. And it went to purgatory. We we traced no. purgatory. Damn. That's the only thing. I remember. I don't remember any other questions. And purgatory,
0: that's like juvie for ghosts.
1: Yeah, I think purgatory is where you just kind of just chilling and waiting to get into heaven or some shit, right?
0: Yeah, I think it's like you... I don't know what it is. You have to serve time there because you weren't a good person or a bad person. I think when I think pro-lifers think that when you kill a fetus, it goes to purgatory. Mm. And that's, like, fucked up.
1: Mm. I'm going I'm to I'm have to do some research on purgatory. I, we wanna, should. I don't want to
0: know... Well, let me look it up real quick. Yeah. But anyway, the crazy part about that story is uh, the girl... And the girl who I was supposed to hook up with, and the dude in the marriage, they ended up getting together, and he got divorced from his wife, and is now with her.
1: Oh lord! Yeah. Ooh, woo! Something must. Hoody hoo who. hoo must was warmer and sweeter.
0: Yes, yeah, something. I mean, that's why I would never. I do not believe in like open relationships for Ooh. that reason. Because I think like, it's just, a, it's just scary if you're in an open relationship because you think that's gonna fix your, you know, you're, you're less attracted to your partner maybe. Hmm. You're like, let's bring other people in this and spice it up so that we don't get bored of each other sexually, or we don't get bored of each other emotionally. Instead of doing the work, you're just trying to like put a band aid on it by bringing someone else into the equation. Hmm.
1: Yeah, you gotta do the work.
0: And then you could fall in love with that person. You got
1: to do the work. That's I believe really in that, yes. I believe in a threesome, a two, a three, a four, or
0: whatever. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, if you do that. Okay. Purgatory. <laughs> uh, a place or state of suffering inhabited by the souls of sinners who are ex- expiating their sins before going to heaven. Mm. I don't know what that... I guess they're paying for their sins, expiating. Oh, Lord. I, I don't want to go to
1: purgatory.
0: Atoning for, yeah.
1: How you pay for your sins? Do we all got to get crucified?
0: Uh, no, I think they're just chilling. I think they're stuck in like a space probably like this, a lot like this garage.
1: Oh, this ain't bad.
0: Right? Mm-mm. I would do some years in here.
1: I mean, if I, if I had you, I like that.
0: Um, I'm not afraid of things like that. I think I'm not either. That's why I did it.
1: I, I think... You know like my I you know my my numbers. A lot of people have angel numbers like 111, 333,
0: 444. What's your 666? 666. What do you mean your numbers? What does that mean?
1: I I think that those numbers are mine. I think they belong to me. Oh my god. So my mom is No, and but you know a lot of people I don't think that it means Satan. To me it means beast. Monster, and I relate that to my career. So ever, before I go on stage, I say six 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 because it means no, it means you a beast at your craft. You are a beast in this life. You are a monster. You are not afraid. You are a fucking animal, yes. and you got this. But that is what six 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 means to me.
0: Right. It doesn't mean like Satan. It doesn't, it doesn't, mean, doesn't mean Satan. It doesn't mean you want to kill people. It doesn't
1: mean I want to kill people. It doesn't mean death or blood or no, It it means monster yeah you are you are in control of your own destiny
0: wow that's so interesting because like my whole spirituality has always been like trying to be humble like trying to like before I go on stage I'll like ask God to help me and Mm -hmm. just like kind of admit my weakness Mm -hmm. and just like put everything in his hands and of course like I have the talents and the ability that I've fostered, mm-hmm. you know, but in my mind, I always thought like the best thing to do is just like also say that I'm not in control of mm-hmm. my life and that like a higher power is. Yeah. And I need help. But it sounds like you're almost the opposite.
1: Well, no, I'm not in control of the things that I can't control. But what I can control is how I go wreck that stage. I can control that. Wow. But I can't control
0: that's inspiring you know, to me. Other stuff. That's so cool. The things
1: that I'm in control of yeah.
0: is 666. <laughs> you are a demon I do talk on to, stage. I do
1: talk to God, too, because it's like, it's scary up there, man.
0: On stage, you mean? Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's scary up there. You know, especially for us on the level that we're on, we have so much more growing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure once we get to that Sebastian level and that Kevin Hart level, we may be a little less scared. We may be. I don't know. I'm not there yet. I don't know how it feels. But as of right now, just climbing and and busting this wall down, it's scary up there because this is the way you go to the top. Yeah. And honestly, you can't go to the top without support and fans and people liking you. And that's that's unfortunate to me. Right. Because you know you're great. And if they say you're not, then you're not.
0: Which sucks. It's true now more than ever because it used to be, I think, that you could kind of be, like, cool in Hollywood and, like, the industry would take a liking to you. Mm -hmm. And then you could get famous because the industry just wants to make you famous. Mm -hmm. And that still exists. But also, like, if you don't have a lot of Instagram followers or Twitter followers and and you don't have, like, a following... They're way less likely to fuck with you,
1: and that makes me so mad because now it's gone off quantity and not quality, and that
0: pisses me off. And it sucks because like certain people know how to work those games, like the Instagram game Mm -hmm. or the Twitter game. It's like, and if you're just hot, you can just have a lot of followers. Yeah, and then people are gonna come to your your shows. And I'm not saying like if you're a comedy club owner, like you're looking at two comedians. One's me. I have like. 3500 followers. Mm-hmm. And one is like a hot girl and she has like 50,000 followers. Like more people are going to come to her show. Yeah. Like I get it for marketing purposes.
1: Like I understand. I get it for marketing purposes. You want to market, you want to sell, you want to hustle. The only thing that technically really bothers me about it is the 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 comedy game because a lot of those comedians on social media are not funny. They're not they're funny. Because I, they got a lot that I follow, and I love the sketches, but they're not funny on stage. They have no idea what it takes to get up there and do this. And when they want to find out, I see them. They come to my damn club. Right. I see them, and they just they get they get that hit, and it's just like damn, this is some different shit. This is different. Yes, it's different. This it ain't is. this ain't no cause on on when you do them sketches, you stop, you saw it, you stop, you saw, you, you redo it, you you have plenty of chances to make it
0: perfect. You get
1: one shot up there. You get one.
0: Right, one take. That's it. And they're gonna call cut as soon as that light goes on. Bye, bitch. <laughs> yeah.
1: But you know, but I get it. I'm not knocking the hustle. I'm just saying if you are a true stand up comedian, it, it it really pisses us off when they get chosen for stuff. And we don't because we're working harder than they are.
0: Right. But stuff that they're getting chosen for, if they're getting chosen for like acting roles, it doesn't piss me off. But if they're getting chosen for like, you know, tour dates and shit like that. Yeah, the where tour I'm, dates. I'm like, the
1: acting stuff kind of make me mad, too.
0: Does it? Sometimes. Mm. Depending. Yeah. Depending on like. Like just
1: because you got a million followers, you get to be on this show so the ratings could be high. Not because you're talented.
0: Yeah, it's not fair, but I don't think things have ever been fair in Hollywood.
1: Things are not fair, period, dude. Like, you know, that's why. That's why I was just talking to. I just did an interview with this girl, Chelsea, and um, I was just saying, you know, I just stay in my lane. Mm-hmm. I just try to just stay in my lane, because the soon as I veer to the other side and see what other people are doing, that could really mess with your confidence. Yeah. Um. That could really just that could mess with your head. To you know, so I just really, really try to just mute the outside world and what other people are doing, and try to just focus on myself.
0: It's so hard though, right? It is very hard. I just got on one of these lists, like it was like, a 2019's comics to watch, and one, I saw that, which is like flattering, mm-hmm. and it feels good to be on a list. Like it inflates your ego and it helps you it get through the day. But I'm gonna say this. When I was not on those lists and I would see them, I would hate it. I'd get jealous and be like, oh, that person <laughs> is not funny. Uh-huh. Like, that person's not working hard. That person's just, like, cool in this way that, like, they're visible. Right. They're not at all the open mics. They're yeah. not, like, mm-hmm. hustling. They're just, like, a trendy comedian right now. And right. that And that means, like, oh, you should watch them. I always felt like it the, those lists were just kind of popularity contests you mm-hmm. know and when i got on the list i you know i just like i almost don't want to post it because i don't want someone else to be jealous of me and think that
1: i was jealous of you i was like he's not
0: funny enough <laughs> thank you <laughs> i appreciate <laughs> that's that that's why i didn't like it oh babe <laughs> what the heck i like <laughs> I'm
1: sorry I just had to catch you off guard no and I see
0: <laughs> I see comics like post shit like uh, like post a lineup at the comedy store and they're like this is the only list I care about being on and it, it's like hmm. okay yeah like I understand that I do get that because I've been there you know, but also when I'm on a list, I'm like, I'm just going to I, I kind of have to share this because like maybe it will help me get on the road or it'll help me in some way in my career mm-hmm. that I need. But like I've stopped posting uh, like when I'm doing shows around town because I, I feel like there's no reason to. I'm not like there's no fan base in L.A. that's mm-hmm. going to come see me. Right. It's just kind of me bragging to the comedy community I'm on shows, and that feels kind of gross to me.
1: But, you, you know, the, the social media feel gross to me? Always. All the time.
0: I agree. It just feels cheesy.
1: You're on there to show you like, I, I just don't. That's why I stopped doing the videos, because I'm like, I don't want an Instagram fame. I don't want a damn social media award. I don't want that. I want a fucking Oscar, man.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's what the fuck I want. I don't want to be known for making sketches. I want to make make movies, dude. I want to make moves. I want to do stuff other than comedies, you know? I want to really get good at this.
0: Yeah, You know, I
1: want that color purple role. Mm -hmm. I want that. Mm -hmm. So, you know what the color purple is? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, good. All right, sometimes I have to explain what that is. But, uh, like, I just, I want more than social media. And it's just, I just, ugh. Like, not knocking nobody else, like I said, but I just feel like sometimes it's just so cheesy.
0: It's hard to stay in your lane.
1: But it is what it is. This is what people know now. But you know what I noticed? Like, just having young nieces and nephews, they don't believe in levels.
0: They don't believe
1: in climbing to the top. They just want to be there. They just want to
0: be there, yeah. And
1: I'm like, you have to have patience. What What are you doing?
0: You don't understand how hard it is to get to those levels, that, you don't just that get your to be there. Yeah. Well, especially with stand-up, I think. Like, there really is, you know, the best comics are just the ones that have been doing it forever. 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 Like, had never stopped doing it. And that's why they're great. Yeah. And they didn't stop when things were hard. They didn't stop when things weren't working mm-hmm. out. Like, all my favorite comics have a story like that.
1: At time all my... every Every week, I calculate how many minutes I did on stage. Wow, that's cool. Last year, I calculated all in my phone, but for some reason, it, it, my calendar just deleted itself in my phone, so I don't have how many minutes I did last uh-huh. year. I think it's around 3,000 minutes, though. But the year before that, I had the exact amount of minutes I did comedy. And this year, I have a, a calendar that I'm writing in <laughs> because <laughs> I'm not trusting my phone anymore because now I don't know how many minutes. I want to get up. I want minutes. I want three, 4,000 minutes a year, 5,000 minutes a year. Wow. That's a lot of stage time.
0: Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. I can't get that here.
1: So if I can increase, you can get
0: that in New York, easy. In New York, yeah. Easy. In New York, but, like, here I just have to do open mics when I don't have shows. And
1: yeah, the open mics is what got me to the, those times. Yeah. I mean, don't get it twisted. The comedy store gave me tons of, of time. Right. But to, to cap it off, to put the icing on the cake, those open mics really came through for me. Yeah. They're very important.
0: I did, like, three a night or two a night. Sometimes for a night, mm-hmm. for like five years or six years, mm-hmm. and that's just open mics, and like there was so many years where I just wasn't getting on shows, and I would just have to do these mics, and they were so terrible, just miserable experiences most of the time, and then once in a while you get to a good one, and you would have a good set, and it would be that's like
1: that's the shit to remember. That's the stuff you'd be like, whoo.
0: Those are the times in my life that I, yeah, that I romanticize. Like I'm <laughs> like. I remember driving to the West Side Comedy Theater with no money in my pocket and no gas in my car and just like hoping I am (laughs) hoping I have enough gas to get there and get back and do a set and just like barely making it like shit like that where you would just get to a point where you're like I have no money my unemployment check doesn't clear until Monday (laughs) and it's Friday my
1: unemployment check
0: (laughs) yeah well, because I, I worked in production and like. How much is unemployment? It depends. It's kind of a fucked up system because if you make a lot of money, you get more for unemployment. You know, like if you make there's a certain threshold. They calculate it by quarters of the year, and they take your highest earning quarter, and then they calculate it based on that. And the highest the highest award is 450 a week.
1: You was making 450 a week.
0: Uh, at times, but when I was a production assistant, it would be like. Hundred and fifty A week? Yeah. How
1: do you live off that?
0: I lived in Koreatown. And then
1: they want you to stay unemployed because then you can't get the check. I don't know nothing about that. <laughs> I have never been unemployed. Thank cool. God. Good for you. Yeah.
0: I worked, when you're working in production, it's like, you know, 16, 18 hour days for a long ass time. So I, I like couldn't do comedy Ooh. during those periods. Sometimes I would. Sometimes I would like leave set. Like, pretend I'm going on a run and like go to an open mic and mm. then come back. Not and doing
1: comedy makes me so sad. It
0: makes, it's the worst. It makes me so depressed. Yeah, me too. Like, if, even if I go like two days, I start feeling like, what, what, who am I? Hmm. It's weird. Yeah. But, um, unless I'm on vacation yeah. or something, I'm like intentionally doing it. Right. I don't know. But, um, yeah, you get like 150 or 200 a week, you know, when you're a PA because you didn't make that much money. Um, when I was a producer, I was getting like the 450 a week and that was, that was, that was sweet. That was sweet. But the way I did it was I lived in Koreatown in a one bedroom and I split it with my friend and I lived in the living room and he lived in the one and he lived in the bedroom. Oh, not bad. And we were each paying like 400 and something. Not bad. A month. And so I could get 200 a week in unemployment and be able to live off that. Not bad. And, like, all I would do, I remember waking up and, like, being depressed until open mic started, like, around 4 p.m. or whenever the first one was. And I would go out and do, like, two or three or four, or whatever. And then I would feel good about my life.
1: I feel good when I'm doing comedy.
0: Yeah, me too.
1: I feel good. I feel like a piece of shit when I'm writing sometimes because my brain does not shoot out the thoughts that I need at
0: those times. I mean different comics do it differently though. Like you can write on stage just by talking. I write
1: on stage. Yeah. I'm talking about if I wanna write an idea or a script. Oh a script. Yeah. I get so lost and I just drown myself in confusion. And it 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 could be very frustrating. Yeah. But when I get it, I get it. And then I think back of you remember how frustrated you was?
0: <laughs> I look at you with a full script and shit. You know, like it feels good. Script writing's harder because it's not as rewarding immediately. Mm, it's not the way stand up is. You get laughter mm-hmm. and it feels good to be up there. But the way script writing, you're just like, is that funny? And You like write it again, or you like look at it. You're like, is that funny? It's yeah. so hard to tell, and you just <laughs> don't get that immediate reaction. No, but you have to just be. The hard part of writing is like just being honest with yourself.
1: My whole thing about like like the script that I'm working on right now, I don't want to force the funny. Mm. Let me just, let's just, let's just put it on paper. If it, if it, if it's, if, if we make it funny by mistake, then that's perfect. Yeah. But forcing it, that is what drives me insane.
0: I just went through this whole process cause I sold a I sold a show and they paid me to like write a pilot mm-hmm. and this is for a, like a comedy channel. Right. Okay. So, so they're giving me notes on my pilot that are like, Hey, we need this to be, funnier right like my style of writing is more subtle and weird mm-hmm. and like absurd yes. so like I'm trying what the hard part is to try to adapt your voice to what this network is telling you to they the expectations. want <laughs> without losing your soul without being like I don't even feel like I wrote this or like this isn't even for me I wouldn't even want to watch this like if you take it too far mm-hmm. in that direction then maybe you get to make a show, yeah. but it's like, what even? Did, why do I want? Did
1: I did I just sell out to, exactly. to do a t- put a TV show on TV?
0: Yeah, and that's that would be a worse feeling to me than not getting the show picked up. So what I feel like happened was I met them in the middle, and I worked really hard to meet them in the middle and like make it like punchier and funnier in the way that their channel is, and then uh, they passed on it, and like that really hurt a lot because Could you worked so hard for that. Yeah, it was like a year, and what you realize, when you first start doing comedy, and you realize there's, like, industry in Los Angeles that might even be watching you perform Mm. at these little shows that you're on, you start feeling really intimidated by them. And then you kind of become friends with industry people at a certain point, and you're like, oh, these are just human beings with their own issues and shit. You're like, and then you start working on projects with them. And you're like, oh, these are just my creative partners. And like, we're working together towards a common goal of making something good. Mm-hmm. And then, if you, and then one day they say no. And suddenly it goes from, these are my creative partners to like, oh, right, this is a wall, suddenly. Mm-hmm. This is a, this is a, like, they have the power. Yeah. And I don't. And mm-hmm. they're saying no. And now I just have to be like, okay, this is over, and then you move on. And suddenly it's intimidating. You're intimidated again by them.
1: You know, I I just want to get back. I uh, and I just I'm working very hard to try to get back to 2016. I'm going backwards and not forward. <laughs>
0: What's 2016? I was
1: fearless, man. I didn't care. Mm-hmm. I, did, I wasn't afraid. And then somewhere along the line, I got safe. Mm-hmm. And um, see, 2016 is the year that I got. I can't believe you
0: are the person saying that.
1: Well, because this is what happened. It was a process. In 2016, that was a, I had, my goal going into that year was to fail. I said, Punky, you are going to fail this entire year. Yeah. And that made me go out there and do whatever I want. It made me say whatever I want. I took every risk. I took every chance. I gambled because I was like, I'm failing this year. Whatever. And that was the year I became a pay regular. Uh, that was, the, I think, the very next year we made uh, Please Understand Me. Mm-hmm. I, I fucking got rep with Ethan, the mm-hmm. best in the game, three aughts. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm having, you know, like, that was the year me saying F it was my biggest year.
0: That's great. Then
1: I got safe.
0: What then happened? Then I got. Because opportunities came your way? and you Because start-
1: now I'm like, oh, shit, I'm being watched. Right. Oh shit, I have to perform. I have to do this. I have to, I have all this pressure on my back now. And I'm being people are I'm I'm in this small little spot like now and I have to proceed. I have to be successful. When that's not true. That's not the case at all. And then you know, you know, then you're married, so you got to deal with all of that and uh-huh. I got lost in the game, dude. Trying to keep up with bigger comedians. Like, you can't keep up with those guys. They're, they're just, you can't catch up with them. Right. Just stay at your level and, and better yourself as you go. Right. So trying to impress somebody only brings you back. Impress yourself. I stopped impressing myself.
0: But you started feeling like you were censoring yourself, like you were trying to make your comedy wasn't less offensive? I censoring myself,
1: no. I would never do that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I I would say I, I got safe. So the, the, the thoughts and ideas, I could have been way worse. The thoughts and ideas I had, I just didn't say. Yeah. Or if I had a new joke and I was in front of 300 people, I wouldn't say the joke. Why? For what? You are scared the bomb? So what? Yes. Who cares? Bomb and love that shit. Go home, get in the lab and make it better and don't bomb again. Learn from it. I got I started being afraid to learn from my mistakes, so I try not to make them.
0: I find when I watch like my favorite comedians, they're always just being so themselves on stage. Yeah. And they're maybe saying new things or just opening by like talking shit about the comic before them or the room or mm-hmm. whatever it is whatever's on their mind and then when they go into material it doesn't feel fake it feels real yeah and that's like what an audience wants you want to yep. feel like this person's being themselves and being authentic and that's like that's the goal i think
1: that is the goal yeah so i'm
0: working back. very
1: hard and in 2016 i was in shape mm-hmm. you know i was eating right i was doing the right thing i was man best year of, of my 2010 to two, 2020, f- for sure. That's great. Besides when I moved out here, which, nah, that was pretty depressing because I was alone. But, <laughs> like, I need to get back to that. That was Punky Johnson. I see. That's who Punky Johnson was. So, and I feel good because I feel like I'm walking, I'm getting back into that because I don't give a fuck, man.
0: Mm-hmm. That's the thing, though. You'll never be happy with where you're at, which is why you're you're great. Oh, it uh, requires that to never be like satisfied.
1: My goal is to always be in a different position every year. Always, but better. Right. And for two years, I was stagnant. I I was in the same spot and I woke up angry in 2019. I just woke up mad. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) How the fuck are you still in the same spot? You got the best manager in the fucking world. And you're not helping him to help you. What are you doing?
0: Does that something he said to you? Help me help you? Or is that something you can No,
1: expect? I have a fear of letting people that represent me down because mm-hmm. you don't make money unless I make money. My job is to get you paid. That's my job. You're doing your job. You're putting me in position. You're putting you're sending me on meetings. You're sending me you you hooking me up with these auditions. You're hooking mm-hmm. me up with agencies. You are doing your job. Mm-hmm. You know who not doing their job? Me.
0: But I'm you, not trying hard enough. What are you supposed to be doing? Like networking, like like talking to these people on I your got own? so
1: many ideas in my head I probably could have sold three TV shows by now
0: mm-hmm.
1: why am I not writing them hmm.
0: that's inspiring
1: why, why am I not writing all these ideas I've, I've been wanting to write this movie for two years I've not laid pen to paper yet dumb ass
0: what's going on
1: I'm cr- I had to drop some baggage yeah. and now I'm and now I have the time to do it
0: I wrote a feature I wrote a hundred pages of a feature and i was so excited about it like the first 30 pages i was like this is such a good movie and then every day i was clocking in and just writing at mm-hmm. my computer and like getting through like two or three or five pages a day which is hard very hard it really is because if you're not like the first 30 pages it just flowed out of me i was like this is so fun i love this character i love what's happening and then you get to a point where you're like okay, but what what's, like, the long story here? And, like, how is it going to end? And, like, mm-hmm. who are the characters and who changes? You know, and I hadn't written an outline or anything. So then I wrote 100 pages, and I got to the end of that, and I was like, this is just not good. It's not the movie that it was when I started. Mm-hmm. Hold for the big truck. But uh, so now I'm like, I put it on the shelf, and I'm going to go back and look at it. Yeah, yeah. do it. But it's a hundred pages that I wrote, you know, and it's like, wow, that's a lot that's a lot to write.
1: That's what stops me thinking about how it's gonna end, how I'm gonna start it. And I get just so frustrated, I'm
0: just like, ugh. But this is the hard part of writing, I think, is like you when I wrote those first thirty pages, I felt very inspired. And then when inspiration leaves and you have to keep writing, it's so hard. It's so hard. It's not fun, Mm-mm. it's not exciting, it's not like the way a script feels when you read it you can tell if someone was excited and having fun when Mm -hmm. they wrote it so it's like how do I get back to that place yeah and that's hard and I I don't think I can do that by just sitting down and writing for an hour every day because that feels like a job yeah you don't want it to feel like that
1: I want to have fun in
0: my craft
1: I understand at times it will get hard I get that but I want to have fun in what I'm doing. When I'm on stage, do you know that I feel like I can't see or hear anything? You black out? I black out like a sociopath when I'm up there. Hell yeah. You know? now don't get it twisted. I'm, I'm very uh, concerned mm-hmm. with my audience. I'm very, you know, pat- like because I think being on stage is like a choir. You have to listen. You have to listen to the rhythm of your drum. You feel me? You got to listen to what your audience is responding to. I, li- I like to listen to that. Not saying if they don't laugh, it's going to make me go a different route in my in what I'm saying cuz it's not. But I like it's it's a rhythm. All of it's a rhythm to me. And if I'm not attentive, then I'm a fail. Right. But if I'm attentive, plus I'm blacked out, which when I say black out, I'm in my own world and doing what I want to do and not worry about what nobody say, man, it's a go. I'm about the boy I'm about to knock every everybody about
0: to be dead in this motherfucker. Do you feel like when you have a great set, it's because you connected to the audience? No. No.
1: I don't need I I don't need to connect. I I feel like I have a great set when I'm lost in my own mouth, mm. in my own thoughts. That's cool. But by also being attentive to them,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so because showing them that you're there performing for them, but you're really not, says a lot. I'd be up there for me.
0: You're amazing.
1: You know how much fun I have up there?
0: I mean, as soon as I saw you, I was like, "This, there's no way. I
1: could tell you was a psycho when you came up to me. I was like, uh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, Punky Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, hello.
0: <laughs> Fabian, our guest last week, he's one of those people, too. When I see him on stage, I'm like, there's something so special mm-hmm. here. Something so unique. And I like- was
1: thinking that when we were talking to him.
0: The way he sees the world is so just different. It is different. And so funny. That's why That's everything he was saying, too. I was like, wow. Just laughing.
1: Yeah. Because he was like, nah, I would be okay. Just poor. I was like, huh? He's like, nah, nothing. That don't encourage me. I don't care. It's not going to help me work harder. I'm like, what? <laughs>
0: yeah. No, he's like, what was he talking about? Uh, my, my feet. Uh, I think I'm a fast runner because my feet get really hot. I'm like, nah, dude. (laughs) I'm like, nah, my nigga. (laughs) He's hilarious. You're not bad, bro. He has like a childhood innocence to him in like a grown-up body. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is why he's just like, his perspective, that's what a lot of great comedians have, I think, is like a child's perspective Mm -hmm. in a grown-up body. And that's like what old people have. Old people are so funny because they have... Old people are so funny? Because they have a childhood brain... But they've lived the whole life. Old people,
1: boo-coo funny.
0: Yeah, my grandma's so... I've been talking about it on stage. Like, a senile woman is the best comedian.
1: My dad is not senile, but... I wouldn't even call him old. He's like 60. He, I think he's gonna be 61 in March. Mm-hmm. And he had a heart attack last year. And it was called a Widowmaker Heart Attack. Because it's, it's the heart attack where you... You know, your spouse becomes a widow. Mm-hmm. And... He went out. I went home in December and he went out for the first time since his heart attack to be with his old police buddies in these old bar. Rooms. Your dad was a cop? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. He was five oh. So he he the first person he saw when we went out, he dapped them off. He said, Man <laughs> Nigga had that heart attack. Like, he told everybody the same story, bro. He told like nine different people the same story. Yeah, man, they call it the Widowmaker, man. Shit, ain't nothing but God. Ain't nothing but God. I'm still here. I'm like, <laughs> the first time he did it, I was like, damn, you know, he really proud of himself for making through that heart attack. And then after the 10 people, I'm like, this nigga's stunting. You know what I'm
0: saying? <laughs> it's like getting shot. It's like getting shot by God or something. <laughs> it's
1: like getting shot and surviving, you feel me? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, bro, you not 50 cent. You ain't get shot nine times. You you, you almost killed yourself by the way you, the, th- the stress you was having in your body, bro. Let it go, you know? What was
0: the stress from, you think? From being a cop?
1: No, he was retired. So, uh, you know, I just think it's, it was just we just got a lot of family drama and stuff. And, you know, and it's not a lot of family drama. My dad just takes a lot of things to heart. He's a very passionate man. Yeah, and he's yeah. um he loves his family. So, I mean, I could call him and be like, I fell and, and busted my knee and, you know, nothing where I have to go to the hospital. But if I call him and told him that he would be like, oh, Lord, my damn child. Like he 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 lo- he don't want us hurt, sad, like any small thing. He's just like, I got to come out there. I'm like, I just it's just a cut. You know, <laughs> like he's very he loves us. So yeah. anything happened, like if we going to do something with our spouses or if 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 work and con, if I bomb on stage, he stresses, he gets stressed. He's like, I don't want you to go through all that. It's too hard for you. He tries to take on all of our issues. And I think that is what happened to him. Wow. Because he was eating good. And uh, he was doing right. He just wasn't exercising. He was just too good of a dad. <laughs> yeah, he's just too good of a dad. It almost killed him. <laughs> it almost
0: killed him. <laughs> That's a dangerous thing to love your children and your wife yeah. that much. Love too much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My dad's such a good dad, too. Yeah. Like, he has just sacrificed his whole life working a job he doesn't like, really, mm. just to be able to pay for us and to pay for his wife. Oh, and yeah. It's, like, insane when you think about the amount of sacrifice. Your parents? Yes. hmm It's inspiring. hmm I mean, it's kind of like putting yourself in a prison of some sort, just because, like, you serving that time is going to help people outside. Mm-hmm. You know, and at a certain point, that's like, that's been your whole life. And I ha- I just have to be so grateful. Like, I mean, he's so happy for me to not have a nine to five, to not be stuck in a room. Mm-hmm. I mean, he works from home now, so it's a little bit better. But um, he definitely is so happy that I'm not in like a corporate structured mm-hmm. environment for my job. Maybe my... Instincts will change if I have kids. Yeah, But I, I ain't sacrificing
1: shit for my damn baby. I'm going to tell you this one time and one time only. <laughs> I was watching uh, Grey's Anatomy, and um, this lady was having a baby, and they was like, listen, if you have this baby, it will kill you. you. You will be sacrificing your own life for your child. And the lady grabbed Dr. Bell, and she was like, save my baby. <laughs> <laughs> save my baby. Let me die. And the husband was like, Hell no. <laughs> you better kill that damn baby, bitch. That's me. I'm like, Uh uh-uh. uh. We can make another baby. <laughs> we can't make another you. You feel me? We don't know nothing about this damn child. Uh uh-uh. uh. Bye, bitch. I'm not sacrificing my life for my child if it's still in my body. Now, will I run and get hit by a bus? We'll have to see.
0: If you run and get hit by a
1: bus? To protect my child in the middle of the street? We'll have to
0: see. Oh, I but see. But we
1: also have to understand that I told you, little ragged ass, don't run in that street anyway.
0: Right. So. I think your whole brain chemistry changes as soon as you <laughs> have a think, child. I think, me
1: too. I'm talking a lot of shit right now, but I think everything changes when you become, a, even fathers. Fathers have this instinct to where they, you ever saw the, the dad saving kids video? No. To where the dads are just kind of just chilling and like something happened to their child, they just save them from falling or they save them from um, something. get. The instincts, they just change, dude. You become a protector yeah, my of dad, a life.
0: My dad saved my life. That's great. How? Um, we were on vacation in Florida, and I didn't know how to swim. I was a late bloomer as far as <sighs> swimming and sex goes. <laughs> so unwhite of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, uh, I'm Muslim, so. Ah. But uh, we went out, and like, I was just in the ocean playing in like the shallow part of the ocean, and something came and pulled me out. Mm. And my dad was on the beach and saw me, and I was being pulled out by a riptide. And like I could not swim. You know, I was just grasping and, like, like flailing, trying to figure out how to swim in that moment. Wow. You know? And was drowning. And my dad ran, like, swam out as fast as he could and grabbed me and pulled me in. Ooh. That's like... I love your daddy. Thank you. Yeah. I love him, too. He saved my life over and over and over. Yeah. Just by working. Just by working. And just by giving me food. And, and, and in his, his mom, who is the funniest person in the world who had a, who had a stroke um she lived with incredible anxiety for a lot of her life growing up like she was always so concerned about if we were getting touched by older men (laughs) (laughs) like she had this constant fear that like pedophiles were gonna come and just take us away and like she had this constant fear of just like us not being healthy like we were supposed to eat apples and Ironically, you know, her stroke was caused by being overweight, you know, and I think the stress led to her eating so much and then led to the heart attack and then led to this. But it's interesting when people are old or have survived a thing, it kind of breaks them down to a core of who they are mm-hmm. because their masks are gone. They've stopped caring about how they're presenting themselves. Right. It's just this pure energy of like who they actually are. And I've seen people that that's a negative thing. Like old people who are senile, who are just mean and cranky. That's like there's something inside of them that they never worked through. That's like there's some sort of pain in there. But my grandma, the core that she became has is just I mean, she's very she has anxiety about being left alone and not knowing where she is or who she's with or what's happening next. Like she's always worried about that. But deep inside, she's just constantly going like. I love you. Like I love everyone. Thank you for being here. God bless you. Oh, it's she's just such this, a
1: sweetie, weetie She
0: is so sweet.
1: I see where you get it from. You're so sweet.
0: Thanks. You babe. deserve the best. I love okay. you so much.
1: I love you too. This was I. I had fun today. We're done. All right, guys. Prom kings.
0: Episode four. Episode four.
1: Punky and Ahamed.
0: Punky and Ahamed. And Ari in Ari from time to time and the big ass trucks that was nice mm. alright fine. <laughs> that was good so. what do you think I we talked a lot about